All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark produces for the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 877-37-GRIND. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at with it right now um, with the Justin thing. And I, and I think the only reason why I'm leaning that is because I look at this as a freebie from like like polls nobody envisioned carolina being that bad even in bright shake for they, they would find themselves in the number one pick so if this was chicago that's coming off a bad season like this and they're just picking number one it'll be okay but this is a freebie pick so therefore and again it is a tough decision because i see both sides i really do and financial decisions whether fans like it or not it rules the nfl it's just the way it is in this setup but you know, if you look at this freebie from Carolina and you still look where Chicago be drafting and you look at the increase of the salary cap was just going to add more money that they already had. They were already going to be one of the top three, four teams with salary cap money. Um, you could over I mean, and I don't even necessarily think they need it overall because you got some good pieces over there. The defense played well, especially in the second half of the season. But offensively, the weapons you could get offensively, I mean, you could legitly walk away with a starting running back, starting wide receiver, maybe two starting wide receivers and running back, and still a starter stud on defense. That's the type of a haul that we ain't even tech talking about what you spend in free agency. Now you still got to keep some of that money that you got to sign your rookies and your draft picks, but we're just talking about what they could walk away with the draft and also i think the reason what's leaning to me a little bit is because again it still comes down to the known and the unknown like all these guys can be projected and i really do believe there's at least two uh, i will tell you this i think what i really do believe in this particular class and i'm not going 1983 draft class because i don't think there's a class that's like that i know um you know Eli Manning's class and Phil, you know, Philip River. I, I know, you know, that right there is kind of talked about, but I go to 83. I'm not trying to tell you this is 83 quarterback class, but I really do feel uh, there's going to be at least one, maybe two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in this class. Okay. At the same time, there are going to be two guys that bust and fall on their ass that we didn't really expect it to. It's just the nature of the beast. It's the hardest position to evaluate uh, from college to Sundays. Even though the game is starting to look more like college on Sundays, it's still a hard position to evaluate. So I just feel it's the known versus the unknown. You know what you have in Justin Fields, but it's just one of these things that I just when you see Justin really react to that in real time and you know in the video last week, you know it's weighing on him and it's like if no, there's nobody in that building that has a say so, and there's nobody can tell you that a hundred percent they're behind Justin Fields. Their words and their actions haven't showed it. Because if you're really committed to Justin Fields, regardless, like, look, we're open for business. We're 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 sticking with Justin Fields, and we're open to business. And that's just the way you go, you know. But they haven't said, well, you know, if we go down this road, we want to do right by Justin. So all the signs point like they're going to do this trade, but again. Be careful what you believe and what you read at this time because it's close to the vest. You know, one thing I figured that could really get this damn thing screwy and that draft is that Chicago doesn't make the trade and they keep the number one pick, but they don't go quarterback number one. Maserati Marv. Or that or either a pass rusher or something like that. I don't think it would be receiver. Nah. 
if they didn't pick quarterback, if they if Chicago, because think about what the trickle down effect that's going to do on that draft. So if Chicago doesn't trade the pick, but they don't go quarterback one, they go somebody else who they got the, because they get the first pick on the car lot, brand new car, first pick. No, they 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 wouldn't go Marvin Harrison one. Not they they would be if they did that they would be going pass rusher or they would be going off the best offensive line in the offensive lineman in the draft. They would be something like that. They'll have multiple picks. They can come back and get they, the receiver core is going to be deep. They're not going to take. They're not going to use the number one overall pick for a wide receiver. Well, I think if you're trying to build up the offense. Um, and, and it's really about that because whether you get your, whether Fields is your quarterback moving forward or not, he could at least be your quarterback this year, even though he, because he's got that fourth year, he's not on. You know, it's not like his, his time is done in Chicago right now. Um, I think they have maybe till the summer to pick up his fifth year option if they if they wanted to. If they if not to cut you off, if they Jonah, if they don't go quarterback this draft, and they stick with Justin. Justin's their guy. They're going to have to pay well, him. And they're sticking to they, they're, in, in That's all, their guy. In all likelihood, but they don't have to marry themselves to Justin just quite yet. But you could have you could add again another top a top tier target along with DJ Moore on that offense and Cole Komet at tight end to then if you're even if he's not that answer this year. Then you could find that answer. You know, you could go get a different quarterback next, and then, then they got even more weapons. But, but that's not how GMs think. That's not how they're they're trained to think in the NFL. Look, the point of it is, this is not the NBA lottery system. Okay, there's no ping pong balls. There's nothing you could twerk with. This is straight up. You gonna draft the way you finish. And the reality is the way smart GMs and good GMs are done in the era we live in, or we're playing in, I should say, the quarterback, you've got to find a quarterback or have a quarterback that can compete with the quarterback crop that's in the NFL right now, especially the AFC. When you go draft, when you're talking about drafting in the top five in the NFL, no matter what the position need is or whatever, but let's just talk about strictly for the quarterback. If there's any question marks about who you have currently on your roster from the starter to the backup to the third guy, if you have any questions about it and you are picking top five and you have a quarterback class like this, you are taking a quarterback because you're not going to be, you're not planning to pick up here again. And, and nine times out of 10, you're not finding a franchise quarterback when you're picking 20th and 22nd and 19 and 18. It, it, not telling you it's impossible, but it very happened. Very happens. So I'm telling you, and I'd bet the house on it, if Chicago is not going to, if they're going to be committed to Justin Fields, this is you're not in a position. Chicago is nowhere in a position to say, hey man, you know what? We're gonna give Justin one more year. But we're going to go ahead and just draft somebody else at that number one position. But if it doesn't work out, we ain't going to pick up his up. No, because you ain't picking up and you ain't getting the number one pick again next year, most likely. You're handling that now. You're handling that business now. You got to. If they decide to stay with Justin Fields and pick somebody else, Justin's getting a new contract with Chicago. Some of that new money that they got, all that money they got to keep, he's getting a new contract. It's either trade him or you're going to pay him and draft somebody else. There's no in-between. And a wide receiver. 
I mean, you'd have to check in my lifetime. I mean, I have a bad memory, but I don't think in my lifetime since the merger, uh, and like just go against, I don't even go to merger. I just say post-80s. In my lifetime, I do not believe a wide receiver has gone number one in the draft. Could be wrong, but I doubt it. And if I'm right, and if I decide to live, I mean, if, if, if the man upstairs is willing, if I'm blessed to live, you know, I don't know, maybe another 30 black history months in February, I'm still not going to see a receiver taking number one. Marvin Harris might be, some people, first of all, Marvin Harris might not even be the best receiver in this draft. He got the most hype. He got the name on the back of the jersey. I do think he's a stud. But he might not even be the first wide receiver taken. He's definitely going to be one of the top three taken. He ain't going number one. Chicago would get killed for that. Yes, Justin needs another target besides DJ Moore. But you're not taking, there's too many other good players and positions that are hard to find. You're not taking a receiver at number one. Go ahead. Fun fact from FanDuel Research mm -hmm. three wide receivers have been taken number one overall. Name them to me uh, Dave Parks, 1964, out of Texas Tech. That was prior merger. Go there ahead. Go. Irving Fryer, 1984, by the Patriots out of Nebraska. That's post merger. And Keyshawn Johnson. That's right. Don't 1996, out of USC by the New York Jets. Uh, we've seen Calvin Calvin Johnson go number two overall. Mm -hmm. Braylon Edwards went to the Browns yeah. number three, as well as Larry Fitzgerald yeah. and Andre, and your new Hall of Famer Andre Johnson. Yeah, and I, and I go by. That's why I said I could be wrong, but not that I'm surprised. That's shame on me for not remembering Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, the one in 1960 that didn't count. Um, yeah, and it goes with my adage, nobody's not made it to the Super Bowl because of receiver. Okay? I, I'm just, just, Hell, the just, Chiefs just, hardly had a receiver just, this year. I'm, no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about because of a receiver. Like a receiver does not make and break you from winning Lombardi. It no, that's, what, that's my point. Yeah, oh, okay. The, the, the Chiefs okay, yeah, hardly had yeah. a receiver at well, all. And, but and that, won a, won but a that's Super a trick Bowl. question, man. They got a fiend out. They got 15. Like that, see, we can't get in the habit of group and stuff like that. We do that in life in general. Like, we can't hold everybody. They got Patrick Mahomes and Andy, and Andy Reid's the cheat code. Does Patrick Mahomes have three rings already? Talking about a dynasty without Andy Reid? Hell no. He don't even, I don't even know if he got one, but he's that good, and that's a cheat code with Andy Reid. I can't compare nobody. Look, Chicago, I will rip Chicago for three hours that next day after the draft. Don't even tune in if you want to hear anything else. If they take, and I know who that is, Marvin Hedger. They ain't taking no all the the you could a dominant pass rush, and you Chicago, you're a defensive culture team. But from a, a pass rusher, if you really want to keep, if you're gonna stay with Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or Drake May, you got to protect them. Their line is not that good. Justin Fields running for his life half the time anyway. We don't even know what Justin Fields looks like uh, behind a top five three line. You're going to take the best offensive tackle, left tackle in the draft. You ain't taking no damn receiver. That's fantasy football stuff, drinking beers with you guys. Hey, ESPN mock draft, man. You got 30 seconds. Oh, I'll take a receiver. This is NFL, folks. Taking no damn receiver at number one. But if they took, if they stayed pat at one and they didn't draft a quarterback, it wasn't Caleb. Oh, you talking about the dominoes in this draft then? Then you'd have a fireworks. Okay? Then it's like, oh, damn. And then number two... Is the commanders. Yeah, teams will be tripping over themselves to get there. Oh, and commanders be kicking them in the teeth like sorry. That's didn't they didn't they hire um Cliff Kingsbury? Isn't that where he's at? And, and Commander, who was that they hired Cliff? I think it was the Commanders, right? Yeah. No, I thought he went Raiders, right? Oh no, he turned no, down he, the Raiders. He did a one eighty. I think it's the Commanders. 
So bottom line is they kick everybody's yeah, teeth. Commanders. Yeah. Then Caleb Williams is going to the district, the nation's capital. Okay. There you go. If Chicago, and that is a very possible scenario too. It is possible they don't trade that one pick, but they're going to pick somebody else. It just might not be a quarterback. They keep it tight at the vest. 877-37-GRIND. Now, moving on also, um, keeping it moving, speaking of draft news and stuff coming out, um, a court, there's a couple of things. Uh, Sean Payton, um, you know, he got a chance to meet with the media, so did George. I've only listened to some of it. Um but, you know, Sean was, you know, addressing again. For one, he said that the quarterback decision on Russell Wilson will be decided in two weeks. And my question is, like, man, what is taking y'all so long, man? The papers are already damn signed, man. She didn't file for divorce. We didn't file divorce back in what's taking so long. But I do believe when Sean and George said there's a process they wanted to go through, and they had to go through their free agency process meetings. They had to go through their draft meeting, and now they can concentrate, and Sean can concentrate on studying these quarterbacks. I do believe that. Um, but Sean said a decision will be looming in two weeks because that deadline is coming up very soon. Now, I do think that it's taking this long because, again, I do believe they're having all options on the table. Will Russ crack at the last minute? It's a, I'll redo my contract and I'll take less to just to stay here for one more year. And then you just basically go find somebody in the third or fourth round to draft his quarterback and see if you can develop that. I put a 10% chance on that because I think Russ, from the interview with Brandon Marshall, uh, you're going to see Russ talk a little bit more. Russ doesn't do sit-down interviews with anybody, man. If you ain't the Manning on the Manning cast, I've hardly seen Russ do sit-down interviews if it wasn't with his wife, Sierra. So due to the fact I already see Russ working, I said it yesterday, he's trying to do this PR thing, and he's really trying to put Denver in a light to see, look how they treated me. So that's why I put a 10% chance that that's going to be an option to turn back to Russell, but we'll see. Um, also... Sean Payton said that he noticed a meme come across social media, which I saw this about two weeks ago. Um, there's a guy out there that has this long white T-shirt, and he has all the quarterbacks Denver has gone through post-Payton, man. He has them all X'd out. Ah, copycat. Scratched out. Well, I'm not saying it's the first time I think. Yeah, I think I've seen this with y'all. Well, I mean, well, hell, if that's the title you want to hold, that's a bad thing to be a copycat of. Oh, yeah, I know the one you're talking about, Cleveland, has that damn list. But the thing is, y'all's a triple X large. But all them damn quarterbacks y'all went through, that's a triple X. Look, man, so Sean sees this thing coming to me, and you got all the things crossed out. And Sean and I, he said, hey, look, he goes, well, first of all, he, after talking to Russ, just parallel, he goes, well, I came across a meme the other day. It said somebody had a T-shirt and had all these quarterbacks the franchise had. He goes, our job and my job is to make sure that next one's not next out. Sean pays attention to everything, man, and that's the gift and the curse. He's, he, he pays attention to everything, and part of it you use his motivation because he knows this is a big pick. I mean, they're not necessarily just at the 12. Yeah, that's a big pick, too. They only got six picks. Now, part of me, I've told you, I go back and forth on this. I know one of the things I put on my list that I think is important, too, I think they need to get back in the second round. They don't have a second-round pick. They need to, Somebody need to get traded or somebody. We, we, they need to require a second-round pick, in my opinion. Uh, one of the things George alluded to, and even Sean did, and you got to appreciate, and I know he rubs a lot of local media down there in Denver, wrong way because they're just not accustomed to a guy like this um but you got to respect his honesty though 
Because Sean said, look, man, he goes, honestly, no, I, I don't think. And George kind of alluded to it anyway. It's like, George, you're just reading the script that Sean gave you and said, this is how we're going to answer questions and go out. Like, I hate to disrespect George like that, but it is what it is. But he kind of said that, hey, you know, realistically, we're, we, we, we're not going to 12 to 1. We probably just don't have the capital to do it. They don't, really. That's why I even know that I don't think anybody – you have to be in that top six or five if you're going to trade with Chicago. Um, so they don't have the assets of future picks or the current picks that they've had. I mean, this is only their first – I mean, honestly, this is their first-round pick um, that they have had um, in a few years. Um, so I think one of the important things is they've got to move back in the second round, in my opinion. And two, now we do know that they're meeting with J.J. McCarthy tonight. Okay. And these are meetings that are done like, I think you have a time limit too. I think you can only meet with them like maybe like 20 minutes. This isn't like, hey, we're going to dinner meeting. Okay. That's free agency stuff. These are just like, we're going we're, we're to speed date. We're going to say, I need about 20 minutes with you to just to figure out. They're going to, he did acknowledge they're going to meet with him tonight. Uh, but also he acknowledged that, hey, our division's tough. He said it. You look at the quarterbacks in our conference, he goes, yeah, we've got to get that right. We've got to fix that, you know? And when you hear him talk like that, I'm like, man, the decision's made on Russ then. Whether they got the house for sale or not, unless there's going to be something that changes around and does a 180. 877-37-GRIND. When we get back, we didn't touch on it yesterday, but definitely we've got an update on the Cam Newton situation. I'm pretty sure y'all have heard that by now. I'll give you my thoughts on that. We've got some other things to get to as well. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the sports grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark produces Spitting the One and Twos. 
Today's show is being presented by Dosec. He's get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Penland Whiskey. Penland Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada. Using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood. Oregon's highest peak. Pinlin Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. And keep in mind, Pinlin Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and its official whiskey of the Professional Pool Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and its official whiskey of the Sports Grind. All right, so keeping it moving here real quick, sticking kind of to the NFL theme, uh, what do you got? Oh, we were talking about it during the break, a little mm. baseball update. Otani went yard. Oh, okay, that's right. He made his debut today in spring yeah. training. No, man, he's a real deal, man. That's why he got paid all that money. You know, it's just, I, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he's arguably probably the best game, uh, best player in the game now, at least top two, you know, three. But um, also, keeping it moving, um, Sticking with the NFL theme a little bit, a couple of the points I want to make. Uh, last point on the Broncos. I told you that they are meeting with J.J. McCarthy tonight. Uh, but according to Mike Kliss, uh, the Broncos want Tim Patrick back, uh, but they want him to take a significant pay cut or they're going to probably release him. Um, it's encouraging to me that at least they want him back. I don't know what Tim Patrick's going to look like after missing really two years of football. Um, I know what he looked like prior. You know, I can't hold it to those expectations. I had basically, you know, I got a lot of respect for Cortland Sutton, but I honestly thought Tim Patrick had emerged. And you're talking about getting it from the mud. Tim had emerged as the best all-around rod receiver that was on that roster. And, and, and let me tell you one thing about Tim. You know, he can run block, too. I mean, he, he can help in the running game. He's a physical receiver. So, um you know, I don't know. It's just going to pin on Tim. I think him and his representative got to understand kind of where um, this particular Bronco regime is coming from. And I know, you know, George is the one that gave him that extension before last year, him and Judy, um, which I'm not going to really kill George for because it kind of made sense. I, I understood that thought process of thinking why he did that. Uh, but you just really the agent has to understand where they're from. And they, I mean, where they're at, I should say, and kind of even with the organization of who's really in charge now. And due to the fact that, you know, he didn't check off OK when they drafted you or when you, you know, you came into the loose, which I think if I'm not mistaken, Tim Perry, I think he was undrafted. Um, but it is what it is. So the encouraging thing to me is they want him back, but we'll see the balls kind of in Tim's court to see if he's going to take her, you know, pick her. And I think, honestly, it would probably make sense for him to do based off you're coming to two years back-to-back injuries. I don't know what the market would be out there for you, and you get to stay somewhere where you're familiar already, at least with the facility, the trainers, and kind of what's on. You've been to one off-season program already with Sean. You just didn't get out of camp. Um, I would like to see him, you know, stay, but – can't tell another man to take a pay cut just because you're your own personal rich. I just, I really want to see him bounce back from this and I want to see him do it uh, in that particular uniform. That's just my opinion, but we'll see. But it is a business. It's a business. Um, also, um, the other thing I wanted to allude to as well, real quick before I get to the Cam Newton story um, AJ Brown. Um, now, this happened over the weekend, and, you know, I've got, I'd stay atop of this stuff, but sometimes I'll, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that next day. Uh, A.J. Brown over the weekend or last week, I think it was, or same over the weekend. I think it was late last week. He called into a Philadelphia radio station, okay? And the topic was based off of the relationship. And First of all, 
it's still baffling to everybody in that region how Philadelphia finished the way they did and where did it all go wrong. And if you look at Philly, they have quickly flipped their coach and staff roster. Okay, they've pretty much flipped it. The key pieces for that. Um, Nick Sirianni survived. Uh, but they're talking about the relationship between him and Jalen Hurts. And there's some reports out there. I'm pretty sure people that cover the team in that region that Jalen's relationship with A.J. Brown is kind of, whether through the season, uh, toward the end of the season, or currently, it's kind of strange. It's, it's strained, I should say. It's kind of a lot, it's a lot of stress on it. It's not as rosy as it once was. So A.J. Brown decided to call in and defend that. And I don't even know exactly what he said. And I don't really, I mean, if you got it, because I, I, I got my point. It's regardless of what he said. I'm going to give you my opinion on this, but go ahead. What, what exactly did AJ say? Well, he said it's total BS. Um, I'm not going to get into, into me and his relationship on the air, but it's total BS. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he told 94 Whip in Philly. Uh, it wasn't a problem when I was on my six-game streak. They wasn't talking about that then, so they only started talking about that when we started losing. Of course, you see friction from everybody, from the coaches, the players, from everybody. So there you go. You see what the media is doing right now. This whole past, this whole past, this past whole month. Uh, you wonder why I'm not talking to them. I don't want to talk to them because no matter what I say, you guys are going to make a story and pinpoint it however you want to pinpoint it. So you shouldn't even read me exactly what he said because that just gives me more ammo for the take in general. Um, first of all, this is my original point with this. It's the off season. There's no media obligations for any national football players right now. Okay, we're barely getting up and going in the next physical season, which is the 2024 season. Okay, you are riding in your car. And you are arguably a top seven, eight receiver in this league. And you're riding in your car and you know where you like this ain't Nashville, brother. This this ain't this ain't, you know, this ain't the home. I mean, no, man. This ain't the home of country music. Okay. And we know Beyonce didn't give a damn about that. But by the way, you know, AC likes this song. I, I finally heard it. First of all, to me, you know, that wasn't even my genre. And I understand why she's doing it. But that, that's to me, that's, I mean, is it really a country song? I mean, I get I'm it. I don't want to get it into last that. week. Yeah, I know. I heard it and then I heard it again. But I don't even know if that's country. That's Beyonce's country. But I know why she's doing it. Bullshit bored. <laughs> I mean, like when you get to that level, it's like, what am I going to do now? Like, I got to test myself. She's so accomplished. But back to AJ Brown. Bro, you and, and you know, you read, he says, well, why do you think I don't talk to the media? Why do you, you're calling a sports talk radio show, bro, that you're not even instructed to call your PR to say, hey, man, we need you on the fan at so and so. And you're they're reporting it as an interview. They're, they're, he called in. No, that now they're reporting an interview to save face for this dude. That wasn't no scheduled interview. He called in like a caller. And I don't even think he had the hotline. He probably waited to get that point on. That's embarrassing. And the fact that you're calling, there's truth to some of that. If there was no truth to that, first of all, you got Twitter. A.J. Brown be on Twitter. I've seen A.J. Brown go at it with other players on Twitter. Tweet it out. No, you called into that station because they probably have been pounding your ass paws for like a week and you listen to the station anyway. And you just driving everything going. Oh, you know what? I got a call. I'm not telling you 
that I think that whatever their report in that region is 100% accurate, like say he hates Jalen Hurts and they hate each other, I don't think it's that. But whatever started with the friction and you got the video and the little blow up in the silent, and I told y'all in real time what it was then. A.J. Brown got a lot of incentives in his contract and A.J. Brown want to get his numbers. And that right there is when I figured that Philly, there's a problem here because you've got, you're winning still and this is before they started losing when they're like, hey, when, when I was coming here, say they don't look as crisp as they were last year. These games were over halftime. There was that little skirmish between the sideline. A little, not a skirmish. It was more of like a, you, you could tell there was some disconnect coming off the field. So whether it's being reported on that and what manifested after that, there's some truth to it. It might not all be accurate, but there's some truth to it. And you just told on yourself, you wouldn't be calling like, you know, how many guys like are professional athletes that it's, they get in their car, they listen to sports talk radio, they social media. And you know how many guys just sit there and just know, like, I'm not even going to bother. I'm not even going to respond to that. Okay. From LeBron James on down, and we'll get to him here shortly. But the regardless of it is, that's weak on AJ. And that's what I've always told you, and I've told Adam Longoria, told Tennessee, but there's something about him I don't like. There's something about AJ Brown that to me, even what he produces on the field, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. He got hurt late in the season last year. Before that, he was starting to have troubles with getting, you know, separation. And he got pissed because they wasn't force feeding him the ball. And then ever since that blowout, I forgot what game that was, all of a sudden that's when really the Philadelphia Eagles offense really started to take steps back and struggle because I felt they were so worried about force-feeding A.J. Brown the ball. That's embarrassing. Like unless you got a sports talk guy or a host, local guy or national guy, unless they're talking about your family, your kids, your wife, your mother, unless they're taking personal tax attacks on your family, Bro, that's one you either got to go to Twitter or you just got to bite your lip and go, that's weak. That's weak. And, and, and that just lets you know, man, how quickly it can change in the NFL. All it takes is one dude in the locker room or a certain store or whatever like that. And look. So because A.J. Brown did this, when we get to OTAs or mandatory by that time, this is still going to be a story. It's going to be brought back up. Why did you feel that you had to call in or whatever? And he's going to have to explain this and all. That's weak. 877 Three seven grind. All right, uh, to the um, Cam Newton story, which we didn't get to yesterday. So by now, you you're aware that Cam Newton um, got into a skirmish and an altercation at his seven oh seven league football league. He's a part of, and actually, it was like championship weekend, championship game. And then the video went viral as a Sunday, then Monday. You saw it as, you know, basically he just strong-arming this guy across, tossing one guy across the side, just big old Cam Newton. And we come to find out it's 707. Now, I've may, I've been aware, and most people have been aware, that Cam Newton uh, coaches youth football, which is this 707. Um, and, and quite a few of these former athletes do. You know, um, I heard Keyshawn speak on it. You know, he said they kind of started in California years back, but he had a team. And he was just talking about the aggression and sometimes things go on and this and that. Well, the two brothers that were involved, which is actually brothers, but the two that was involved, they broke their silence. Um, and they did a local interview. Then they did, I think they did some transcript interviews and stuff. But they just said, hey, you know, when we went to go confront Cam Newton, um, it was more to tell him, like, look, you, you know, we're coaches, too. We've got parents. We've got kids. 
You're just not, we don't care who you are, but you're not going to disrespect us through the whole game. The reports, according to them, that Cam was talking a lot, that he always does. They say this has always been a problem, but he talks a lot of trash, you know, just saying, hey, y'all ain't going to beat me and y'all ain't better than me. And he's calling out the plays and, you know, saying that he taught them them plays too and all this kind of stuff. And they just got enough of it. They lost the game, but they want to go and confront him. Now, what has not really been said or told was what was the, you know, the final word that went off or who kind of did what at first because they said they were just claiming to go ahead and confront him. And they said, hey, we got a lot of respect for him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we got a lot of respect for him, uh, but this was just enough. We had to go ahead and just say, hey, we can't have you disrespecting us like this. Um, truth of the matter is, I kind of believe them that it went down this way. And, and, let me, and, and that's kind of what they heard from Cam. And I do see... You know, you're not supposed to judge anybody, but I do believe of what I've seen of Cam Newton over his playing career, what it is. I can definitely, there's nobody that can't believe that he's not going to be trash talking and he's wired that way. He's not that far removed from playing on Sundays and Thursdays and Mondays. Now, the thing that gets me, and, 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 and I'll get to this before the big picture of this. Um, you know, we were just down in Radio Row and Super Bowl. And Cam Newton was his setup was like right in front of us. Like he was set up pretty close to us. And he was, you know, what I took away from it, seeing him about two or three days straight that I was there and him interacting with everybody like he was really taking his podcast and his show and his network that he's trying to groom. And he was taking it serious. Okay, he had interviews lined up. He was doing everything. And it's just and I was thinking, I was like, damn, you know, Cam's really serious about this because, I mean, you I've told you all like the radio row. It is what it is. It's the Comic Con. It's the sneaker convention of sports talk radio. It's been like the Super Bowl. There's no other event that brings people in the broadcasting business down. Now, of course, it's changed because you've got people podcast now and you've got athletes that are getting in that realm that's more involved in that. So my reason why I bring that up is because. For him to have this happen a couple weeks later at a youth football game and have that video out there and to handle this this way um, is kind of a disappointment and surprising considering he pops up on my feed every once in a while. I see Cam videos. I mean, we know when he talked about Brock Purdy and calling him like, hey, you know, he's a manager and he's like the 10th best player on the 49ers. You know, all that kept him trending and popping up. But it's a disappointing, and, and, and regardless, it's a bad look. And there's a bad look for different reasons because, you know, seven on seven, from what I heard, is pretty much almost like it's flag, but it's really two-hand touch. It's turned into two-hand touch. And you're still dealing about the youth. And what's so sad about it is that I believe that, uh, you know, Cam, if you're, if you're taking it, in, you know, look, even back when I was growing up playing soccer and I was coached by my dad and we had different groups. I mean, there was talking back then and there was, you know, there was trash talking amongst the kids, amongst this. But we're in a different age now that it's even gotten worse because um, and I'm not going to say anything about social media, the attitude, because I know I blame social media for everything. But this is more about and, and I'm not saying this is the situation, but it's in the ballpark. But this has happened around youth ballparks and basketball courts and AU across the country. Because part of it, you have parents that are vicariously trying to live through their children and their sons and their daughters being like, well, I didn't make it. I would have if I wouldn't have met your mother. But this is my opportunity. Da, da, da. And they're trying to push them. And because everybody, everybody wants to be that next Earl Wood story. 
You know what I'm saying? That another that that next Richard's, you know, Richard Williams story with the with the two girls from Compton. Everybody's chasing that dream and everybody wants to be the next parent. So you have a lot of these altercations and adults, adults talking trash back and forth at a AU or seven on seven game. Now, in Cam's situation, if these two brothers are really telling the truth, which I kind of do believe them, okay. I do believe. And I do believe this took place in Atlanta. I think they were back in their hometown in Atlanta. Yeah, Cam was hosting okay. the uh, the tournament. Okay. So I'm going to believe what how this these brothers said it played out. Okay, because we can have a whole section, a uh, whole entire section down there in Georgia. Believe this lady's unappropriate relationship didn't start with this DA until after the fact, and then then I can believe these two brothers telling Cam like talk trash. The bottom line is on Cam's part, it's nothing about living through the kids. Like he made it to the ultimate level. He made it a National Football League. He won a league MVP, and he went to the Super Bowl to play in one Super Bowl. This is picking the wrong area to still itch that competitive drive you have in you. Whether these are seven kids you're teaching or how many ever play kids are on a 707 team, you are basically picking the wrong venue, in my opinion, to have your competitive juices from a competition standpoint and it's escalated to this it's a bad look and you always hear stories about guys who leave especially NFL guys who retire because remember Cam didn't really retire he's kind of like four he just can't get in you know he can't he's too much of a polarized he's like the gift and the curse his polarizing figure and his success it's made it hard for any NFL team really to want to bring him in, even to compete or be a backup because he's just going to create controversy. Just be like, Hey, let go to cam. He's a big dude, polarizing figure. And when he's on it before, you know, out, he could ball. So in return, you know, you're, you hear about guys that can't find that, that thing to substitute that juice, that competitive, like drive. Some guys try to become GMs. Some guys try to get a stay around the sport. But I just feel that if Cam is really talking that much trash to other adults over seven on seven and talking about the kids, that come on, bro. Come on. Kind of disappointed in Cam a little bit. But that I that that picture those brothers face, I, I could see that. Because that's who Cam has been. But at a seven on seven tournament on the youth. Bad luck, man. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spin the One and Twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this... It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. 
Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 